Hello there. We are back at Syracuse Sports. It's episode 27. It's Brent Dax. It's you. So glad you're along for the ride. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's that time of year. Are you giving away uh, mallow cups to the trick-or-treaters? You should be banned from being allowed to hand out candy. How dare you? How Just how dare you? My yearly message to eradicate the world's worst candy. Other than that, I'll tell you what uh, little trick-or-treat you want to get in your plastic pumpkin, my friends. Subscribing to this very podcast. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you uh, subscribe. Make sure you follow. Uh, if you're feeling a little, little ambitious, we would love it if you would leave us a review on any of those places. Helps us stand out in the podcast world. Plus, it lets us know how we're doing, what we're doing, and what you want to hear and see on Syracuse Sports. And you can get in touch with us a variety of ways. Don't forget about our voicemail line at 315-552-1964. It was a voicemail from one of you, which we're going to get into here shortly, that inspired a big topic here on Syracuse Sports today. Always on Twitter, of course, and X. If you prefer Brent Axe Media, you can email the show to B-A-X-E at Syracuse. Dot com. So, yeah, we're going to talk some football today, and yeah, that's got everybody just uh, in a mood, uh, certainly, with the Orange having lost four straight games. But that four-game losing streak is historically significant, as we're going to talk about here in a moment. Plus, it's almost as, look, a win would be huge. Let's not kid ourselves here. Syracuse needs to get a win, but I think how they play is more important on Friday night against Boston College. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit at the end of the podcast. We're going to play back some more of your voicemails about football, and you guys had a lot of steam to blow off there, but we're also going to hear from Aquadier Copeland at the end of the show and some sound I got in the Syracuse locker room after their first exhibition game because, of course, after just one exhibition game, we know all there is to know about the Syracuse football team. Got it in the bag, baby. But uh, Aquadier, a lot of fun. And uh, I think you guys are really going to like his game this year and and like listening to what he has to say about his game this year. But we'll get a few uh, very, very early impressions in on Syracuse basketball after their uh, exhibition game against Damon. And uh, the first unofficial game, if you will, these are games that don't count under Adrian Autry in Syracuse football. So is it basketball season, Brent? Is it basketball season? Well, technically, yes. So we'll get that interjected a little bit here. But the focus is on football. And I mentioned a voicemail that came in from Jeff. And I see Jeff a lot on Twitter. He is a passionate fan. He is an educated fan. I always appreciate his perspective on Syracuse football. So if you missed it, I want to go back to something that we heard from Jeff on our postgame show. Emily Liker and I. Uh, just in case you don't know, do a live post-game show on these same channels you're watching now or listening now. Uh, it's live on Facebook. It's live on Twitter. And then uh, goes to podcast form afterwards. We do it after every Syracuse football game. We'll be doing it Friday night after the Orange take on Boston College. So take note of that. But Jeff said something in our voicemail line. And you can, again, leave us a voicemail at 315-552-1964 to be a part of the show that really stood out to me. Let's take a listen. Brent, it's Jeff from Twitter. Listen, Syracuse has been outscored as of this moment, 142-27 to 27 over the last three and a half games. It's just after halftime of this debacle. At no point during the Greg Robinson era 
did they ever experience a four-game stretch this appallingly awful. That team had seasons of 1-10 and and 2-10 and and still managed to be more competitive than this. Friends, I mean, I don't know what to say. They can eliminate 10,000 more seats next season if they want to, if they're not going to make the changes they need to. This team is not advancing anymore. This team's not even plateaued anymore. They are going backwards. They are becoming less and less competitive with the teams they need to be able to play with in this conference. And it's just time for a change. I've already canceled my trip up for next week, and I don't even know if I'm going to make a trip up next season. This is just awful. Have a good night. Jeff, I'm sorry we're not going to see you here in Syracuse for the Boston College game. So that stood out in this voicemail. But here's what else really stood out. That Greg Robinson, when we talk about bad football coaches in Syracuse football history, is the uh, one that, uh, in this case, it's kind of ironic to say shines brightly. But that is the one that stands out like a sore thumb. Greg Robinson never had a four-game losing streak this bad. Guys, it's true. Jeff is right. So I want you to come on a little bit of a journey with me, okay? Syracuse has lost four straight games. The combined score of that four-game losing streak for the Orange to Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech is currently 150-34. to That is a margin of 116 points, okay? So just how bad has it been? That's where we are currently. Dino Babers also had a four-game losing streak to end the 2016 season. That was his first season as head coach here. Uh, 210 to 95 was the margin, 115 points. So he actually beat his own record as one of the worst, right? But that was his first year. This is year eight. This one stands out, even though it's only one point. It stands out much more than that. So I thought it would be a good exercise to just see how far back we have to go for a coach to have a four-game losing streak with a point differential that high in Syracuse football history. Okay, so we'll just go through them here. Scott Schaefer had three losing streaks at Syracuse of four games or more. In 2015, Syracuse lost five straight games by a combined score of 188 to 114. That's 74 points. In 2014, Syracuse actually had two separate losing streaks of four or more games. A five-game losing streak where they are outscored 125 to 47. That's 78 points. Also a losing streak of four games, 131 to 61. That's 70 points. Okay, that's Schaefer. Before Schaefer, we had Doug Marone. Doug Marone's Orange ended the 2011 season on a five-game losing streak by a total score of 161 to 81. That's 80 points. It's the only sustained losing streak of four more uh, games that... Doug Marone had. Okay, before Doug Marone, as Jeff brought up, Greg Robinson. A lot of losing streaks in the Robinson era. In 2007, Syracuse had a four-game losing streak under Robinson. 143-65, to that's 78 points. In 2006, Syracuse had a five-game losing streak under Greg Robinson. That's a combined total of 134-54. to In Greg Robinson's first year in 2005, a 1-10 season, the Orange had a four-game losing streak in which they were outscored 122-84. to That's 68 points. And they had a five-game losing streak to end the season where they were outscored by 109 points. So that's kind of knocking on the door of that 116, but I need to remind you, 
This current losing streak of 116 points combined, that's four games. The 109, it's five games under Robinson. Paul Pasqualoni only had one four-game losing streak in his years coaching at Syracuse, which is from 1991 to 2004. And in that four-game losing streak, Syracuse was outscored 136 to 81. That's 55 points. We're starting to get back there now, but we're not there yet. Coach Mack. Coach Mack had a few uh, losing streaks in his time at Syracuse of four or more games. In 1986, Syracuse lost four straight games by a 27-point differential, 99-72. to A lot of competitive games in there. 1983, including a loss to Nebraska, who Syracuse famously beat in 1984 when they were the number one team in the country. But in 1983, Syracuse lost four straight to Nebraska, Maryland, Penn State, Pittsburgh. 127-36, that is a 91-point differential. In 1982, Coach Mack lost five straight games, a stretch where they were outscored 155-48. to That's 107 points. But again, that's five games, not the four games we're talking about. All right, Brent, we're here now, right? Frank Maloney. Ooh, things were ugly at times in the Frank Maloney era. This has got to be it, right? 1978, Syracuse had a four-game losing streak under Maloney where they were outscored by 78 points. In 1976, they had a four-game losing streak under Maloney where they were outscored by 47 points. In 1974, Syracuse had two separate losing streaks. Bad season, right? They had a five-game losing streak where they were outscored 149-45. to That's 104 points, five games. They had also had a four-game losing streak where they were outscored 98-36. to That's 62 points. Guys, we're back to Ben Schwartzwalder and the end of the Ben Schwartzwalder era. One of the most amazing things when I looked this up was the consistency of the Ben Schwartzwalder era. He only had two four-game losing streaks in his entire coaching tenure from 1949 to 1973, and they came in the same year, his last year as head coach in 73. One of those, Syracuse was outscored by 73 points, and the other, they were outscored by 85. So it's not Ben Schwartzwalder. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Reeves Basinger. In 1948, when Syracuse finished 1-8, and eight, and this was uh, the year before ben, Schwartz, uh, ben Schwartzwalder took over in 1949, Syracuse was outscored 149-28. to 28. That's a total of 121 points. So just to put the Dino Babers four-game losing streak that Syracuse is currently in in perspective, the last time Syracuse had a losing streak of four games this bad, you have to go to three years after World War II to Reeves Basinger 75 years ago. That's a wow. It's important for this team to win on Friday for a variety of reasons. I think the most important one is just morale. It's a dark and gloomy day, rain falling here in central New York as I speak. And it's funny how sometimes the mood matches the weather in a town. And the mood is just exactly like the weather here is today. As I look out my window, it's gray, it's dreary, it's cold. 
we're reminded of darker days coming, right? With the, the clock change coming, Halloween, Thanksgiving, that chill in the air, like those final days. We've had a beautiful fall here in central New York, but those final days of beautiful fall, sunny days are starting to dissipate in the dark and gloomy days are coming. November is a dismal month for Dino Babers as head coach. As we've seen the losing streaks last year included when Syracuse started 6-0 and then had a losing streak to end the season before barely getting a win against Boston College, who they played at the end of the season last year to salvage a win in a bowl berth and who they play Friday night. I've talked to so many fans, heard from so many of you. We're going to play some voicemails here in a second where what has bothered you the most is not the wins and losses as much as four losses in a row stinks. It's the how. It's how Syracuse plays, the lack of fire. Now, Dino Babers will tell you, we'll talk to some players this week, that this team, it's not a lack of effort. They play hard. They don't quit. Eric Dungy, in a post-game radio appearance, really laid it out there and was honest. And he didn't like what he saw. And what he thought he saw was a team that quit. Now, Dino Babers, when asked at his post-game press conference this week, disputed that, but didn't dispute some other things that Dungy called out, that th- that he saw in that Virginia Tech game. That's what bothers people the most, is the lack of fire, the lack of competitiveness. This team just is not even in these games that they're playing. It's one thing to get your doors blown off by Florida State and North Carolina. Okay, so you have North Carolina, who has since lost to Virginia and Georgia Tech. Florida State is just stomping through everybody right now. And that team is on the short list of one that could be in the national championship game at this point, right? Clemson is a powerhouse. That was a game for a half before Syracuse eventually lost in the, in the second half, Virginia tech though, beating you by 28 points and shout out to Brent Pry and what he's doing at Virginia tech. So the big issue that fans have is the how Syracuse just has to show up Friday, show some fight, some spirit, And this is a team that hasn't been home in over a month. Their last home game was that Clemson game we mentioned on September 30th. That, to me, is almost more important. That this team, and as you'll hear in these voicemails, people want to see the coach show some fight and some spirit and some fire out on the field. So whatever Syracuse has left, not even in a bag of tricks, just whatever they have left to go out there and make this game against Boston College competitive and look like a football team is almost more important than the wins and the losses. Though the wins and the losses are certainly important, particularly if Syracuse is going to get over the threshold of getting to a bowl game, which is not even a guarantee at this point. You can't take anything for granted with the way that this team is playing currently. You certainly expressed that on the voicemail line. I wanted to get to a few more of your voicemails at 315-552-1964. And I'll tell you what particularly struck me in the voicemail batch here is some fans that have been watching Syracuse football, you know, maybe since Reeves Basinger was the coach, certainly Ben Schwartzwalder and right on through, as you told me, let's listen to a couple of your voicemails. Uh, Hello, I'm a fan of many, many years ago, I'm 81 years old. I used to go to Archbold Stadium and watch uh, the Syracuse football game in rain and snow. I can only say this. I think that Dina, Dino, excuse me, Babers, cannot motivate these players. Um, he's not even motivated on the sidelines. 
he just doesn't show motivation. Um, therefore, Syracuse University needs to pay the big bucks, and I mean $7 million, to get a coach in there that can coach this team and bring us some wins. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for your voicemail. And there's a fan who's 81 years old, has been watching for a long time, lays out a specific number. And see, that's the thing. If Syracuse does decide to make a change, what's your plan after that? What's your budget after that? Syracuse has long been criticized as a school that's on the cheap and will not pay not only the head coach, but remember, you've got to pay the assistant coaches. You've got NIL money to consider here. Do they have that kind of budget? They got the huge donation from John and Laura Lally and others for the Lally Complex, and Syracuse is putting a lot of money into infrastructure, but there's so much more money to spend if they do make a change. From another longtime fan, Steve in Florida. Let's listen. Yeah, hey, Brent. Longtime uh, Syracuse fan, loyal Syracuse fan, 50-plus years. Um, my name is Steve. I'm calling from Florida. Also, I live in North Carolina, so I religiously watch uh, all the games. Uh, on TV, and uh, last night's game uh, was just uh, an absolute debacle. I have to say, there's one question I have, uh, and it's, uh, well, some other comments as well. And the question is, why is Dino Babers coaching at Syracuse? Any other Power 5 school would have fired him uh, a while ago. I mean, his record is terrible. Uh, His only really, really truly winning season was his second year, and those weren't even his players that he recruited for the majority. Uh, do you remember Eric Dungy? I think he made a big difference in that year. But um, this is just a total embarrassment, four uh, games in a row. And why can a, a team like Virginia go into North Carolina and beat Virginia, uh, beat North Carolina? This team has just uh, really got a lot of challenges, but I think it starts at the top, and I think uh, – the athletic director, Wild Hack, has, uh, really has to look in the mirror and ask himself, why did he extend uh, Baber's contract after just you know, really one winning season? And then, look, he doesn't, he doesn't have a winning record. It's just it, it, you know, looking on the sideline, no energy. Even in interviews at halftime and things of that sort, he just doesn't exude energy and enthusiasm. And I just don't like it, and uh, I, I think he's got to go. I think last night – and look, maybe they win the next four games. I think it's unlikely, but uh, I think a change is necessary. A young, energetic, dynamic coach, creative. Uh, that's what Syracuse needs. Um, last night was uh, four in a row uh, national TV embarrassment, and it just can't continue. That's it. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you, Steve, for your call. And he mentioned last night he left that voicemail on Friday. And so that you have a couple callers there, and a lot of our callers on the postgame show and people making comments on the postgame show, that fire, that energy, and it's hard to be passionate and fired up when your team is playing like crap out there, right? People notice it, though. I don't have as big of an issue with it. I want my coach to be actually in the game, thinking, calm, you know, but you got to show some fire and some passion at times. Where's the Dino Babers from those post-game speeches after the upsets that they pulled earlier in the tenure? I guess they just haven't had enough of those lately to bring out that fire and that passion. A couple more of your voicemails here. Let's go uh, down to the Southern Tier and hear from Stan. Brett, Stan from Binghamton, New York. 
Uh, listen, watched the game last night, watched your guys' post-game analysis, and all I have to say is is a struggle to watch this team right now. You're not sure what you're going to get, and at this point with four straight losses, I think we know exactly what we're going to get. You're not finding any kind of answers offensively. I was finding myself going back and forth between the Bills game and the Syracuse game, and I was still watching the Syracuse game when it was 30, 30 to 10, I think it was. And I was going back and forth between Syracuse and Bills, and I was watching the Syracuse game, and I didn't know why I was still watching the Syracuse game, because it was a blowout, and I couldn't decide. All, anyways, all that to say, thank God, Syracuse basketball starts tonight, exhibition game. We're going to write the pass. J.J. Starling, Judah Mintz, watch out for Quadier Copeland this year. He's going to have a breakout season. Mark it on your books right now. Quadier Copeland, breakout season for the Syracuse Orange. Thanks, Brad. Brent, see you later. Stan, you didn't even mean to do this, but that is a great transition. We got to interject something positive into this conversation. We're here for you on the voicemail line at 315-552-1964. Glad you guys got to vent there. But what do you say we get a little basketball talk in here? Okay, clearly I know everything there is to know about Syracuse basketball this year after watching one exhibition game at the Dome against Damon and a welcome exhibition games. I walked into the Dome uh, one of the security guards checking me in said, we need this to change up the mood a little bit after the football game. And yeah, Adrian Autry coaching on the sideline. Uh, that was strange to see. It's going to take some getting used to. If you had one person there for 47 years, and well, Autry certainly wasn't a stranger as an assistant coach, uh, that was interesting. I had a fun moment with Autry in the post-game locker, word at, uh, locker room afterwards saying, you know, I think I said, like, uh, did did you remember you had to be the one to go to the podium and do the post-game press conference? And he laughed. He said, yeah, I actually did have a moment when I was here after the game. He's like, oh, yeah, I got to go talk to the media because obviously that's not something that Autry would do. All those firsts that we're seeing from Adrian Autry. So look, I don't want to go too over the moon here. It's one exhibition game. There's another one Wednesday. We're going to have a full Syracuse basketball preview uh, coming up later this week, and we're really going to get into it. We're going to have post-game shows after basketball as well, programming note for you guys out there. So we're looking forward to diving in after some, air quotes, real basketball, right, with uh, no offense to Damon. But here's a few things that stood out to me. Number one, Naeem McLeod. I can't get over the size of this guy. I'm sitting there uh, with Mike Waters and Donna DeToda at the game, and at one point I'm like, Mike, how tall was Manute Bull? And we looked it up. Manute Bull, remember, you know, from a certain point uh, standpoint of a generation of, of basketball fans, Manu Bull was just a freak of nature. The seven foot six. Remember the guys like him and Sean Bradley, these really long guys. He's only two inches taller than Naheem McLeod, who's seven four. Just takes up so much space and presence, particularly against a team like Damon. And what a weapon he's going to be. And I know we're all excited about the man to man defense. And Syracuse mixed up the man and the zone their three-point defense needs some help guys and I think we were saying that about this team last year so no matter what defense they're in they got to close out on shooters that's going to be an issue to watch early in the season for this team but when you got Naheem McLeod in the middle and Monier Hima was not available on that in that matchup on Friday so Naheem got a lot of minutes you got to play some zone with that guy when it works and when it matches up right so I couldn't get over that Benny Williams active around the boards, going after it, 
strong inside, confident. Everybody's waiting for that breakout year from Benny Williams. This is the year. It's not going to be one good game followed by six or seven questionable games. I think he's playing free and loose and confident and I think we're going to see that Benny Williams breakout this year. I just liked what I saw from him particularly. There was a play. It was the highlight of the game. Quadier Copeland off the backboard to Benny. And look, there were some other things that stood out in that game. J.J. Starling, smooth as butter. Played all 40 minutes. Stayed out there. Judah Mintz was out, which was interesting. I don't want to overreact. Seems to be an ankle situation. They were just letting him rest. So... Let's let that play out. We'll see if he plays this Wednesday in Syracuse's uh, final exhibition game before it gets underway for real against New Hampshire on Monday, uh, November the 6th. But J.J. is everything that you wanted him to be in terms of getting up and down the court, the speed. Man, I cannot wait to see him play with Judah Mintz. That is going to be something. So that stood out. But, guys, the thing that really stood out to me more than anything – Stan hit it in his voicemail, okay? Quadier Copeland is going to become a fan favorite. He hustles the defense, the rebounding. He loves to pass the ball. He'll shoot. He'll score. He'll attack the rim when need be. Had a little trouble on uh, three-point defense at times. But what I really enjoy is talking to Quadier in the locker room because uh, this kid's got a smile on his face. He's passionate. And here's a couple of things that he said. After the I look at it as like showtime this year, so it's just like just try to have fun with it. You know, still play basketball, but you still got to have fun with it at the end of the day. Showtime, right? How about that quicker pace for this? The pace, the pace was is a it was the pace that we've been working with since the summer. So you know, it's we used to it now. You know, I think everybody's surprised that we're playing this way. Is um, we're moving fast, we're getting up and down the court, we're trying to. Um, just our run teams, you know, make them go, have to really guard us because we're playing man-to-man now. So we got to be able to try to just keep getting more possessions, keep going. I love it, though. It's, it's interesting. It keeps me going. So. We're getting used to things. Quicker pace, which is welcome. Man-to-man defense, right? Mixing in a lot of different rotations. But we saw a lot of different uh, lineup combinations from Autry in that game. But I did ask Quadir, did you have a moment when you come in the huddle and there's Coach Autry? Did you have a moment? When you came into a huddle and you're like, oh, that's Coach Autry. No, I had that moment. I had that moment during the summer. Okay. <laughs> I already that moment already happened. I already realized. I tried to play the role like, oh, this is just Coach. He he's been cool last year. He wasn't that. And then I got my rude awakening when I when he had to you know snap on me in practice. So I, I already understood. I already know what he, what type of guy he is. I know what type of coach he is. So I understood that and I just kept going with it. Love Quadir. Love talking to him. Love watching him play. I think he's going to step up big. You know, particularly knowing that Chance Westry is not available due to injury for who knows how long, but at least the better part of the beginning of the season. Quadier is going to step into that role. Chris Bell struggled a bit shooting the ball. I think him and Justin Taylor are really going to fight for minutes at that position. JT had to step in with Judah out, so was he and JJ for that backcourt for most of the game. The thing I love the most, though, was what Quadier said there, that quicker pace for that team going up and down the court. It's one exhibition game, though. Let's take a nice deep exhale, see how things play out. But the more this football team struggles, the more anticipation will build for Adrian Autry's first year and what the Syracuse basketball team can bring to the table. Just a little sprinkle of hoops 
And we'll end it on that note. Thank you so much for being a part of Syracuse Sports Day, my friends. The voicemail line open to you at 315-552-1964. Please subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, on YouTube, on Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. Please leave us a review there. Just a reminder about our post-game podcast after every Syracuse football game. And we're going to be doing them after basketball as well live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and podcast, and all the places where you get this show, where you're listening and watching now as well. We've got a couple more pods coming your way this week with the Syracuse football situation the way that it is. And we're going to have a little basketball preview coming your way. Like, just just hang in there, friends. That's why you subscribe, because it'll all arrive right there, and you can listen and watch on demand when you want. We thank you for being a part of the show today. We'll talk to you next time here on Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider of SU Athletics.